Is it time for the Mariners to swap out some bench pieces? Has Taylor Saucedo earned the trust of Scott's service? We'll answer that and more here on Mailbag Monday. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ahoy, sailors. It is Monday, August 7th, 2023. This is Tidy as and Colby Patton out for the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube, or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you're part of the crew and rock with us every single day, let us know in the comments below. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. You can now get a free seven-day trial. Check out the show. The link, as well as our social accounts, is in the description of this episode welcome to mailbag monday the show where we answer your mariners questions let's just hop right into them we're going to start with hunter here who asks likelihood of emerson hancock getting called up soon and hopefully swapping out jose caballero for and mike ford out ideally we'd like to see sam haggerty maybe shiner what do you guys think uh so i would actually like to see haggerty and zach deloach you would basically view Haggerty as the Caballero replacement and Deloach as the Ford replacement because with Ford you really just need the bat it doesn't really matter positionally because you have other guys like man first base you have Dominic Canso and you have Dylan Moore you have Josh Rojas outside of just Ty France so you don't really need to worry about covering first base in case of a Ty France injury on that front when it comes to Ford uh and yeah Haggerty's hitting out of his mind right now in the PCL which, yeah, it's the PCL, but still, uh, I think it's time for him to uh, come back up with a big, uh, big league club. So, yeah. Uh, Colby, do you agree? And also, uh, when do you think we're going to see Emerson Hancock? 20 grade question. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I do think we're going to see Hancock uh, soon. I mean, you really don't have any choice, honestly, um, because the difference between Hancock and like, you know, Malone or, or McCacken or any of those guys is pretty significant. Uh, he's just your best option. It doesn't necessarily mean he comes up and he's in the rotation right away, but you're going to need him to eat some innings. Uh, so whether that's as a, you know, multi-inning reliever or as a, a piggyback guy with Wu, or maybe he gets a couple starts here and there and you push Wu to the pen for a little while, uh, you're going to need to call him up. So it's going to be soon. I don't, there's really no reason to wait. Um, you know, until the call-ups, September call-ups, uh, because you're not even using Devin Sweet. So having, you know, Hancock in the bullpen for five days in a row, it's not going to upset anything. You're you're not using that spot anyway. So Hancock should be up soon. Um, yep. I would just have him up for this homestand, but we'll see what they decide to do. Um, and then, yeah, obviously Caviero, you know, huge credit to him. He kept Mar- the Mariners' second base spot afloat for a couple of months. Um, when Colton was, was really struggling. Uh, but he just doesn't do anything that Sam Haggerty doesn't. Right. And the only way Caballero can help you right now at the plate is if he gets hit by a pitch or if he walks, that's it. So in terms of like the pinch running Haggerty's perfectly capable base runner, um, Dylan Moore's perfectly capable base runner. So you know, like even the, the idea that like, Oh, he's our best base runner. Yeah, that's fine. But you can't give him 40% of your at-bats, you know, down the stretch at second base. So, yeah, he needs to go down. Haggerty needs to be up. The second base platoon is, is should be Rojas and more and with Haggerty mixed in, too. Um, Ford is, is just bad. Like, the 
it struck midnight. He's a pumpkin again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think you can go with Shiner if you want. It kind of depends on how the Mariners feel about lefty righty. Mm-hmm. Um, Shiner replace replaces the power that Ford brings, but Deloach replaces the handedness uh, issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the Mariners think there is one, so yeah, I, I think you could pretty much sell me on either one at this stage. Mm-hmm. Just kind of what do the Mariners want to do with that spot? Uh, and Shiner's, you know, decent enough at third that like he could play there and he could play first. Uh, but yeah, I just, I mean, I like me personally, I would swap forward for Haggerty right now. And if you still want to keep Caballero up just as like a pinch runner, sure. I think that's dumb, but yeah, I'd rather have, I'd rather have Caballero than Ford because at least Cabby can play multiple positions and can run the bases. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think they do need to make a move at least, you know, those two moves on the bench. And they probably should call up Baroa or Hancock for sweet. So yeah, I do think there are some moves that they should make. Yeah, Mike Ford since the All Star break is seven for his last fifty with twenty seven strikeouts. So it's time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, big kudos to him for everything yep. that he was able to contribute uh, when he was hot. Uh, he helped the the Mariners' offense stay afloat for a really crucial point in the season. Um, so yeah, credit where credit is due, but it's, it's probably time to move on there because it's not like he's making up for the lack of offense and defense. So yeah, that's just showbiz. Sorry. Thanks for all your help, but we got to do better. So see ya. Yeah. Next question here comes from Momo. Like others have said, could it make sense to pick up Christian Arroyo for second base? I know we haven't given, uh, Josh Rojas many opportunities, but he hasn't looked great either. Uh, would we have to DFA him or could we send him down? So real quick on that, yes. Rojas has two minor league options remaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, you, you can send him down and you can send him down next year as well if you want to. Um, as for Christian Arroyo, he's already cleared waivers and been outrighted to uh, AAA. So he's no longer an option for the Mariners. Uh, I also saw some other people ask about Ramon Laureano, who was DFA'd by the A's. Uh, he was picked up today by the Guardians, so he is also not an option for the Mariners either. Uh, but even if those two guys were, mm, I don't really have much interest in either one, personally. No, I mean, Laureano, what, is he going to take at-bats away from Canzone? Like, why? He's not better than Canzone. He's not better than more like he's not better than Haggerty at this stage and Arroyo is essentially right-handed Josh Rojas I mean when they're at their best WRC plus this year yeah first splits guy too right and like when they're at their best they're like 105 to 108 WRC plus guys the only difference is that Rojas is actually a more valuable defender so no that wouldn't have made much sense either so yeah you should definitely be looking at the waiver wire though like keep an eye on that but you know not just because you've heard of the person doesn't mean that it's a good claim there's going to be a lot of bad players that get dfa'd sure so yeah. you know mm-hmm. just because you recognize the name doesn't mean that they're necessarily a good fit but yeah i understand why you guys asked i just no interest on my part but also nope. those guys aren't even options anymore so yeah uh all right uh scott wants to know who do you think gets the majority of starts at second base from here on out it's it's going to be josh rojas until further notice uh but in my opinion it should be dylan moore now that's obviously dependent on health but in small sample size, but he has actually hit righties pretty well so far this year, especially as of late. Uh, so I would like to see Demo get more starts over at second, uh, and it shouldn't really be dependent too much on, on matchup. Um, but yeah, it's going to be Ross. 
Yeah. Um, you know, there's still the issue of what can Dylan Moore handle physically. I mean, yeah, we keep on thinking he should be back to a hundred percent, but we don't know. Right. We have no idea. Um, and there is a little bit based on matchup. There are some righties that are going to give Dylan Moore troubles. And, and to be fair, Rojas is giving nobody trouble. So, um, it's probably should be demo, but I'm totally fine with them you know, working in some kind of platoon. It doesn't have to be strictly handedness. It can be about matchups. And, yep. you know, at the very least, Dylan Moore, when he does make contact, there's a pretty high probability he's going to hit the ball hard. And typically when you hit the ball hard, good things happen. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it probably should be Demo, but Rojas is going to get a lot of the work, and I totally get why. Uh, because if you can just get him to be an average bat the rest of the way, it's a really valuable bench guy or, or a really valuable, you know, platoon guy like, there, there's a lot of value to Rojas if you can get him hitting. Just, yeah, early returns on that. Not looking great, but, uh, yeah, I think it should be Demo uh, with Haggerty mixed in. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think it's ultimately going to be Rojas with Dylan Moore mixed in. And maybe it's also a little bit dependent on how Cade Marlowe performs from here on out because maybe they feel that Moore is a better option for them in left field than, than Marlowe. Uh, sure. and, and that opens up second base for Caballero, Haggerty, Mm-hmm. Rojas, etc. Uh so so we'll see. But right now, as things currently stand, especially while Marlowe is still hot, I would like to see more getting uh the most the bulk of the playing time over at second, but it's not gonna happen like that. No. I mean that's that's that is the beauty though of having versatility on the bench. Yeah. You have can't your your benches can't zone Rojas more Marlowe, like whatever. Any combination of those players, you can cover every position on the field um mm-hmm. with those three guys on your bench. So yeah, versatility is uh, is a nice little tool to have on the bench, and it's not something the Mariners have really had this year, but now they do, or in theory they do. All right, more of your questions coming up here in just a moment, but first a reminder, this episode of the Locked On Mariners podcast is brought to you by Dave. No, not Sims or Niehaus. Dave is the banking app that's leaving the financial field. At one time or another, we've all needed a little financial help. That's why Dave is great. Dave can get you cash between paychecks. It can help you build credit by settling extra cash advances on time. When you download Dave, you could get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. It's part of Dave's extra cash account. Advance the money you need with no interest and then settle up later. So if you're in a pinch, get the help you need by downloading Dave. Download Dave today at dave.com slash MLB. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash illegal. Eligibility criteria and instant transfer fees apply. Banking services provided by Evolve, member FDIC. That's dave.com slash MLB. You could get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. Download the Dave app now or go to dave.com slash MLB. And you're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen here on Mailbag Monday. The Mariners are off today. Much needed off day. They also get an off day on Thursday. Sandwiched in between those off days, however, it's a two-game series with the San Diego Padres. You can catch all the action on the Mariners' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM via the SXM app. Uh, So real quick... I failed to mention this on the show last night, but thank you guys so much for getting us to 8,000 subscribers on YouTube. It's an amazing accomplishment. And uh, I I didn't think we were going to get there this quickly, but uh, or if at all. So yeah, thank you guys from the bottom of our hearts for all the support and for helping continue to uh, grow this wonderful community that uh, Colby and I have built here. Uh, also, our two-year anniversary at Locked On is coming up on Wednesday. So 
is that a day game i haven't checked the schedule all right so we're gonna be doing a post game show that day but thursday is an off day so maybe we'll do something special to celebrate the uh the anniversary i don't know ty's overcompensating because he forgot last year do, do, do you guys have any ideas or, or any suggestions? Anything you would like us to do on the show to celebrate our two-year? Oh, uh, real fast. Uh, actually, Thursday or Wednesday's game is a, a night game. Uh, oh. I was mistaken. So, mm-hmm. it's, so yeah. All right. So it should be a normal show. So then Wednesday, is there anything we should do to celebrate our two-year anniversary? Let us know in the comments below. Do you guys want us to reflect back on our two years or answer some questions for some of you that are new or anything let us know if you have any ideas down below all right let's get back into these questions here uh steve wants to know after what we have seen lately from taylor saucedo should he be trusted more in high leverage situations yes for now because you didn't go out and get that reliever to supplement the loss of paul seawald you pretty much have to play the hot hand right now in high leverage situations especially when brash and or munoz are not available like yesterday and uh, right now saucedo is the hot hand and i actually believe in taylor saucedo a little bit beyond just him being the hot hand right now Uh, and two things with that really is the slider and the changeup. he's shown an ability to throw the slider effectively both against lefties and righties yes Hitters are hitting 258 right now off of that pitch, but they're only slugging 355. The slider right now against right-handed hitters, a third of the time is generating a whiff. 29.3% chase rate and 50% of those chases is are resulting in whiffs. And then that pitch is eating lefties alive right now. 45.9% whiff rate, 37.8% chase rate, and those chases, 76.5% of the time are resulting and whiffs the changeup has been an absolute weapon against righties 171 average 200 slug and as we know um changeups lefty changeups break away from righty hitters he's only thrown that pitch against righties 148 changeups so far this year again all against righties 42.3 percent whiff rate on that pitch 42.7 percent chase rate 47.7 percent chase and miss rate uh, those two pitches have been elite for Saucedo. And if you look at his baseball savant page, it is painted in red, which for those that don't know, it's very good. That means that he is in the upper echelon of most baseball analytics for relievers. And uh, yeah, he just, he he's, he's cooking right now. And we're seeing him now being put into these high leverage situations. And like we talked about yesterday, He's stepping up in a big way. So what do you think, Colby? Do you think we should trust Taylor Saucedo, at least for now? I don't think you have a choice, thanks to the the fine folks who work with and and including Jerry DePoto and Justin Hollander. So that's the bed you made, so you have to lie in it. And so hopefully Taylor can continue to uh, pitch well, and there's no doubt he has. Um, and, and, you know, we we'd started to see them start to use Saucedo in more high-leverage spots anyways before the seawall trade. So uh yeah I, I think you're just you're gonna have to roll those dice and hope that you know Saucedo doesn't turn back into a pumpkin but at least there's you know reasonable optimism that he can sustain somewhat close to what mm-hmm. he's been this year um and you know just another really good uh bullpen find for this front office 
Um, you know, it's it's crazy. The the Mariners acquired Justin Topa, Taylor Saucedo, and Gabe Spire for the total cost of Joseph Hernandez, I believe. Is it Joseph yeah. Hernandez and two waiver claims? Two waiver claims, yeah. And right now that's like the meat of the back end of their bullpen. <laughs> And this so. is and this is what we said, man, during the offseason. I remember the 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 exact day when they claimed both Issa McGee and Gabe Spire. And we said, you know, these guys like on paper right now or whatever, like they're not really worth a segment to talk about. But with Mariners, with relievers, you have to pay attention. And here we go. Lo and behold. I mean, we joked around with Jerry when he was on the show that, hey, you know, Justin Topa, I have no clue who this guy is, but yeah, he's probably going to be a top 10 reliever in baseball. And, you know, we weren't Pretty that close. far off. <laughs> we were Pretty not that close. far off. Yeah. So, yeah, that's just what the Mariners do, you know. So we'll see if any of these guys actually turn into legitimate high leverage relievers over a, an extended period of time where you feel like actually you might have supplemented the loss of, of Seawald with one of those guys. Uh, but, you know, again, that's only something that we're going to learn with time here. But so far, so good. Yeah, I just want to say this, though, before we move on. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for this winter when the Mariners trade Josh Rojas and like Isaiah Campbell back to the Diamondbacks for Paul Seawald. That is just going to feel so good. Right, right. Or they, they non-tender. Non-tender him, yeah. Yeah, they non-tender Seawald, right? It's rough go for Seawald so far over there, so maybe. maybe. It's it's one game, and then he pitched in like a blowout in his first game and struck out Yeah, he struck out three. Yeah. yeah, but whatever, you know, they're yeah. out of it, you know. <laughs> why not yeah, maybe that that whole deadline for the diamondbacks was kind of weird this isn't diamondbacks show but just real quick like getting seawald getting seawald and then turning around and trading andrew chafin who's been yeah. one of the better lefty relievers and ba- what was the thinking behind that i don't get that maybe it's a money thing i don't know because <sighs> no. then they go and then inquire tommy fam too though yeah and then they yeah that was after the chafin trade like what yeah i mean and i'm pretty sure they got they got a prospect back from milwaukee for chafin i don't think it was a major leaguer so mm-hmm. weird weird very weird yeah all right uh paul wants to know in the off season and early season colby insisted that jp crawford's swing was not sustainable what has changed colby i don't know that i said his swing was not sustainable i think i said it wasn't good <laughs> like um but uh yeah you know one of the only things that's really changed is that he's lowered his hand slot a little bit he used to be up back here and now he's kind of down here mm-hmm. by his shoulder instead of up by his ear mm-hmm. um that allows him to cover more of the plate with more authority it's still uh you know it's it's still just above average bat speed it's not like an incredible whippy swing mm-hmm. or anything like that but jp's always been able to cover the zone and because he's lowered his hands a little bit the bat has less uh you know it has uh less distance to travel to get to the ball. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- I think, you know, the thing that still is kind of annoying about JP is that he does the, the bat wrap thing. Like yeah. the cup of the bat will face the pitcher before he starts to swing. And that's just wasted moment, uh, wasted movement uh, yeah. in your swing. It, it's, you know, it can be like a trigger for some guys like Sheffield used to do the little hand thing where he'd break his wrist before he started swing. Yeah. And so sometimes that's just like a, uh, basically a firing mechanism for guys, but yeah, JP wrapping the bat like around his head where the cup is facing yeah. the, the pitcher. That's still going to hurt him against higher velocity. But again, the bat speed is, is good. It's not great. It's good. And yeah. he has amazing zone coverage. Uh, so yeah, if you can get to even more pitches than he could last time and the bat, um, you know, is, is traveling through the zone, uh, you know, for longer, 
uh, with more velocity behind it, then yeah, he's going to hit the ball harder. So, right. um, you know, I, I don't know if I, I would say this, I wouldn't feel good about going into 2024 and expecting JP Crawford to be a 128 WRC plus guy like he is right now. I don't know that I would expect that. I don't think that's fair to expect. Would I say it's impossible? Is, is there something he's doing that's not repeatable? No, not really. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that, um, I think that there are some very serious, uh, probabilities that JP will regress some in 2024, but he, it is, you know, when you make swing changes, when you make tweaks to your swing, that doesn't always mean that what's happening is a fluke. It means that you've made an adjustment and this is the new you. So do I feel comfortable saying JP is going to be like 30% above league average next year? Like he has been so far this year. No. Uh, Am I willing to allow for it to be a possibility because of, you know, the obvious changes that have been made? Yeah. Yeah. And not a swing guy. I want to make that very clear here, but he, the swing does look a little bit shorter to the ball. It doesn't look as long now. Like he still has elite plate coverage, but it, it doesn't seem like he's extending as much as he as he has in, in years past. And I don't, you know, we don't obviously have the data on this. This is like something for true media, which only a hand handful of people have actual access to, where you can find bat speed data, but it does seem like the bat speed has improved with what he was able to do over at driveline. And Hey, you know, as far as 2024 goes, maybe there's another tweak or two that he, he makes a, a driveline that, that, you know, adds another element here that adds another wrinkle, but let's, let's calm down. Let's, you know, this JP is plenty good. This is, this is no, this is very good. But in terms of just being able to sustain this yeah. or something close to it, you know, maybe there is another tweak or two that he has to make in the off season. Um, all right. So, we got a few more questions here on the Lockdown Mariners podcast. Before we get into those, however, this episode of the Lockdown Mariners podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk through things. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself so if you're thinking of starting therapy give BetterHelp a try it's entirely online designed to be convenient flexible and suited to your schedule just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and if you don't feel that your match is suitable for you you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. visit betterhelp.com slash locked on mlb today to get 10 percent off your first month that's betterhelp com slash locked on mlb and you're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen here on Mailbag Monday. Again, the Mariners are back at it tomorrow at T-Mobile Park and see San Diego Padres. You can catch all the action on the Mariners' hometown broadcast, the Sirius XM via the SXM app. All right, we got one, two, three more questions to go here on Mailbag Monday. Let's check in here with Jake, who asked, uh, do you think the Mariners could have just started the long-term downfall of the Angels? They're going to lose a huge crowd draw that they get with Otani. They didn't capitalize on the prospect return they could have gotten, and they could be bad for a long time. Yes, and on top of that, they further gutted an already bad farm system. Right. So 
uh they don't really have i mean look there is some talent there right and even some young guys that are on the ball club already like zach netto right that that are probably going to progress that are probably going to be better than they are right now uh nolan shanuel the the guy that they drafted pick 11 in the uh in this year's draft he's already in double a and he's crushing it uh so you know he might be up with the ball club sooner rather than later and he might be something there i mean they do have some talent but overall yeah i think they've doomed themselves to a very long rebuilding process and look it's southern california they're still going to be able to attract free agents but you no longer have the otani card and i don't think that trout carries as much cloud as he used to because if i'm a player on the outside looking in how many games do i think i'm actually going to get to play with mike trout on a season to season basis right like and you look at the rest of that roster and you go okay well what else is there to carry besides mike trout nothing rendon's a, a nobody he's a nothing um you probably like oh you probably like Neto, but those are unproven players at the end of the day um and despite having Otani and Trout this last winter. What big free agents did the Angels pull in? Yeah. Tyler Anderson. Right. Well, and the other thing too Brandon is Drury, like whoop de other, Yeah. And the other thing too is money, right? Uh mm-hmm. like they're gonna so they're paying Otani thirty million dollars this year. So you essentially get thirty million dollars that you didn't have this year, next year, right? Who knows if they actually reinvest that into the ball club, but spending money has really never been an issue for Art Moreno. Mm-hmm. uh he just hasn't spent it wisely uh so that that's the big difference there um so yeah i think they'll be able to you know add major league talent still uh but they don't have a lot of interesting pieces in that farm to go out and trade for guys and they are at least to a certain point because they are pushing the luxury tax even without otani right as far as i'm aware at least i haven't looked at payroll recently but um they're not going to be able to go out and, you know, do what the Rangers have done, right? And at least with the, with what the Rangers have done, the Rangers have a, a much better farm system than base uh, than 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 the Angels. Um, I think it's a little overrated, but it's still far better than what yeah. the Angels have right now. So they can't even yeah. really do that. So I th- I think they're screwed <laughs> right now. Like I think they I, are. I think one of the bigger issues with the Angels though is that they're never going to be terrible. Like they're never going to be bad they're gonna win between 75 you know 72 to 80 games every year mm-hmm. um, with Artie moreno at the helm because he's just gonna throw money at the problem and he's not gonna trust his baseball guys to you know do what they need to do and, and you look at you know the angels they, their farm system was improving granted slowly but it was getting better and then they went out and they exhausted a lot of capital for role players uh you know at the deadline this year and yeah that's it's doesn't look like that's going to work out for him so yeah i just i i think because moreno's there i don't think that they're i I just don't think that that front office is going to be allowed to rebuild so to speak i think it's a lot like the you know 2010 mariners before john stan took over where it's like no you're not allowed to rebuild we are you're going to you know we won 85 games last year you're going to go spend money uh, so that we can win 85 games again and we can win 85 games again. And we're not going to give you enough money to make the playoffs, but you know, we'll give you enough money so that we can be relevant because at the end of the day, that is ultimately what Artie Moreno cares about. He cares about being relevant. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to be the Dodgers little brother. doesn't really care about winning baseball games. 
He right. doesn't because if he did, he would just trust his baseball people, but he doesn't. So, uh, yeah, I think I think the Angels are basically set up to be what they have been for the last half decade, mediocre, and I think that's where they're going to stand for a long time. Uh, so I looked into the payroll stuff. So they are very slightly over the luxury tax threshold this year. Um, next no year, this is this is from Spot Track, which is not a very reliable source of information. It's, it's it's iffy, like like Colby's insinuating there. Um, it says that they only have 133 million dollars committed uh, for 2024, but that's also not accounting for arbitration and stuff like yeah. that. So I don't know how all of that works out for them, and I don't know exactly what their true payroll is. But again, they're they're not going to have a ton of financial flexibility and on top of that they don't have a a deep farm system either uh where they can you know go out and and trade for more affordable pieces that fit their their payroll better so they're they're in a weird spot right now and uh yeah i think they're they're due for a pretty long rebuild uh but i also you know like colby don't think that they're going to fully commit to that either whatever that looks like right because they're not going to trade trout they're not going to be i don't think they could be able to trade trout unless they chipped in a hell of a lot of money and considering that they didn't trade otani here <laughs> what makes you think they're going to eat a ton of money to, to trade trout they're not they're not so yeah they're in a rough spot don't envy them and uh you know what good riddance uh, all right, Nate wants to know, uh, it's premature, but hypothetically, would the Mariners go with a three-man postseason rotation, or would they have to rely on Bryce Miller? Uh, like we saw last year, yeah, you're going to have to use four guys at some point over the course of, uh, of the postseason, especially if you get deeper into it. Um, yeah, if it's just the wildcard series, and if that's all you do this year, yeah, you're only going to use three guys. Mathematically, you can only use a maximum of three starters. Uh, but if you get to the DS, yeah, you're going to have to use Bryce Miller. And I, I don't think it's Brian Wu. I don't think it's Emerson Hancock. I don't trust those guys enough, to be honest with you. It, it's not like I have a ton of faith in Bryce Miller either, <laughs> yeah, but exactly. uh, picking the the lesser of two evils, it feels weird to say evils, but sure. For lack of a better term, to pick the lesser of two evils, it's it's Miller for me. So. It's almost like you should uh you know spend a little freight to go fix that problem. But anyways, uh yeah, you're gonna have to use four guys, uh, but that doesn't mean you have to use Bryce Miller for six innings, right? Um, hypothetically, if the Mariners do earn their way to the postseason and they get to a five game series or a seven game series you have your big three and you're going to use them as much as they can physically go. Mm-hmm. But for game four, you could just Miller for, for two and a third woo for three, you know, you, you could kind of do it that way. And uh, that's just kind of what you have to do in the, in the playoffs anyway. So yes, you're going to have to use Miller in the playoffs if you get there. And if you get to a five game or seven game series, uh, you're gonna have to use Miller, but it doesn't have to be in a traditional role. You don't have to, you know, put him out there for, it's not like in the regular season where it's like, you know what, we just got, we need innings, Bryce. I'm sorry. You have to go get, give us six, no matter how ugly it is. No, in the playoffs, all hands on deck, you do whatever you have to do. So, yeah, uh, I'm not too worried about the four and the five spot in a playoff series. Um, right. and plus, like you said, we got to get there first before I start to really dissect that. Yeah, we do. We do need to get there first. Um, but yeah, just looking at last year, I think it becomes pretty clear what the, what that would all look like for the Mariners. And again, as long as there's no, there are no injuries, which knock on wood here. Uh, as long as there's no injuries in the rotation, yeah, it would, it would be Miller for me. 
over Wu and uh, Hancock pretty clearly, unless Emerson Hancock just blows me away, which I I like Emerson Hancock more than Colby, but I don't think that's going to happen. So, yeah. All right. Last question of the day from Dylan. What is the more important weekend coming up, Baltimore or Houston? So, got the best team in baseball and the Baltimore Orioles coming to town this weekend for Felix weekend. And then the, on the next road trip, the Mariners are going to Houston for the final time this year for three game set with the Astros who are a lot more healthy and they're playing better ball than uh, the last couple times we've seen them. Uh, for me, the answer is pretty clearly uh, the Houston series, because I still think that the division is more than well within reach for this team. They got to get on a run and they're, they're going to need some help. But I, I still think that they can make some noise in this division, and that series is going to be very important. Because honestly, if I had to put money on it right now, given all the injuries that that Texas has sustained, Josh Young just landed on the IL with a uh, fractured thumb. I would pick the Astros to win this division. So that's who I'm gunning for, and so that series to me is massive for the Mariners. Um, this weekend, though, uh, that's not to diminish this weekend because. Uh, this weekend's going to be a really nice test for this team. Uh, this is a, a nice little heat check for the Mariners right now because they and the Orioles have been neck and neck since July 1st in terms of who's been the best in baseball. And so, uh, yeah, to see those two teams clash and, um, you know, look, the Orioles are a team that you're probably going to see in, in October if you get there. Um, and uh, they have a weakness where you have a, a very great strength and that's in your starting rotation. So it'd be interesting to see kind of how those two things stack up in a three game series, just as a, a little bit of a preview for what might come in October. Uh, so what do you think, Coley? The Orioles series is more important because it's, it's next. Like the series, <laughs> right, you, Belichick. the series you play next is the most important series. Sure. So like so, neither so of those the Padres, series, so yes. the Padres series is the is yes. the biggest series of of the three. Yes, until right. the last pitch on Wednesday night. Then it's the Orioles series. Then it's the Kansas City series. Then it's the Houston series. Like, yeah, like I, you could you can shake your head all you want all you want, but I'm accurate because if you you're should looking, be a, you should be a coach and not a podcaster. If you're looking ahead, an answer. if you're looking ahead to the Houston series. And you're not looking at the fact that you could easily go zero and five this week. I don't know what to tell you, man. Like I, I don't have, like I'm not looking ahead beyond what I what I can see. And that right now, I need to get through this Padres series. Um, I need to not give back the ground that I gained this last weekend. And the only way I could do that is to care about what happens against San Diego and Baltimore. So, yeah. If you want to go all technical with Ty's answer because Houston's in your division, I suppose that's more important. But tell you what, if you get swept by Baltimore, you get to that Houston series, and it might not matter what you do against Houston. So, sure, yeah, you you better you better focus up here, man. Nick Martinez is coming to town tomorrow, and he's looking for a shutout. So, uh, yeah, you better win the series. Like, stop looking ahead. Nick Martinez. <laughs> Stop looking ahead. Stop looking ahead to the to the last week of, of the season where you play Texas and Houston seven times. Stop looking ahead to what happens after you finish with Baltimore and look at the 16 of the 19 or against really bad teams. Oh, we're gonna feast. Stop looking ahead. Look at yeah, tomorrow. that 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 stuff. Like, come on. We we've seen this team lose a series to the Nationals. We've seen a team this team lose a series to the Tigers. Now, look, they're a little bit of a different team than they were during those series. Even though the Tigers series was only like three weeks ago, but like, still, Mariners are a very different team than they were in those series. I'll tell so. you this: I bet the Mariners lose one of those series 
It's going to be the Kansas City one. Maybe. Kansas, Kansas City is cursed. I mean, I think there's a four-game set there, but Kansas City is actually playing decent ball right now. So, yeah, I mean, I just, I'm saying, I bet they lose one of those series. They drop one of those series, everybody panics. Oh, playoff teams don't lose series like that, and we have to have the same conversation where it's like, yeah, they do. Then we start the talking about the offseason again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I won't be, but yeah. So, <laughs> well, no, no, no. no. I, I don't know. I, the I, collective we, as in the Mariners They have community. 16 games against like the worst teams in baseball. Hmm. They're going to go like, they're going to go like 10 and six, right? And people are going to freak out that they didn't do enough. It's like winning baseball games is hard, guys. It's really hard, even against bad teams. Just relax. Look at the game in front of you. Drive yourself crazy if you keep on looking ahead. Like, like I see people like, here's how we get to 90 wins, and they're breaking down like you win two against San Diego, you win one against Baltimore, you win what are you doing? <laughs> like focus on today, tomorrow. That's it. Like come on. All right, guys. Mr. We're one, on San Diego. One day at a time. Good lord. One I'll day care at about, the, okay, Russell I will Wilson. Care, I will care about the first of all, that's the meanest thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> Second of all, truthfully, I I will care about the Houston series when we get to it. Like I just I can't. It it's stupid to look in like people who are charting wins. Like oh here's how we go thirty and twenty down the stretch to get to ninety wins and all. That's dumb. That's dumb. It doesn't because you can't look ahead. It's all about pitching matchups. It's about who's hot, who's not. It's all about travel. It's all about injuries, and those are all stuff. All things we can't predict. So stop trying to do it. Just focus on tomorrow. We'll talk about the game. It'll be fun. Instead of driving yourself crazy being like, oh man, if we if we only go like 11 and 8 in this 19 game stretch, like we're pretty much screwed, right? Like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Just relax. Gotta one go day one at a time. Gotta go 1-0. and Championship opportunity tomorrow. 90 feet is 90 feet. Like, just let's do this thing, okay? Relax. It's gonna be okay. They're gonna loot. They're gonna have a bad loss, by the way, guys. Their the bullpen's gonna blow blow a game at some point. Mm. That's not the time to jump off the ship. Okay, just relax. They're gonna lose three in a row at some point this further down the stretch. Absolutely, they are. Why are you so negative? <laughs> I'm a realist. <laughs> All right, you're being just, so negative, Colby. No, reality is unsubscribe. Like Reality is like poetry, and most people hate poetry. Okay, but it's there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Sure. On that note, that's going to do it for our show. I don't know how to follow that up. Thank you so much for joining us here. On... <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us here on the Lockdown Mirrors Podcast. Uh, for Colby Pannode, I'm Tidy Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. Follow me at Dane Gonzalez. That's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z. And Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok as well over at Locked On Mariners. I don't even know why I continue to say that because we haven't updated either one of those pages in forever. And by we, I mean me. Uh, you can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode, though. Uh, thank you again for making us your first listen. Again, you can catch the Mariners and the Padres tomorrow on the Mariners Hometown Broadcast with SiriusXM via the SXM app. And if you're still listening, again, let us know below. What should we do for our two-year anniversary show on Wednesday. We'd love to hear your suggestions. Uh, have yourself a beautiful baseball day, and we'll see you next time. Peace.